I don't know if there's a song that could more perfectly hit the idea of the, the series, uh, asking the Lord to change me first on the inside and then the outside uh, will take care of itself in most occasions. If you're a guest with us, uh, I want to point out that in your bulletin you'll find a gold sheet in there. Um, there's an opportunity there to follow along during our study, to fill in the blank if you have a, a pen with you, um, and to take that home as a, a Bible study. When uh, I was in school, we lived in a house for a while that had kind of an interesting floor plan. Um, we had, Carrie and I, two kids at the time, and in this little shack of a house, there was one bedroom on the main level where our two kids slept, and then there was one other bedroom in the entire house, but it happened to be in the attic. Um, so every night uh, when it was time to go to bed, we went into the kitchen, and like you might have in your basement or in your uh, garage, there was one of those pull-down folding staircases that you kind of pulled down and then you climbed up and, you know, had a bed to sleep in, went to your bedroom. Well, one uh, Sunday night, we had been gone for the weekend, so we hadn't been up there uh, for a few days. And um, as we pulled down the uh, staircase, something fell um, at our, our feet. And I'm sure uh, Carrie, I know, still has nightmares about this, but what happened was that falling past our heads and right at our feet were um, six or seven baby mice. And so, you know, Carrie obviously was very calm and everything and said, you know, um, Ben, I know it's been a long weekend. You've been driving all, you know, to my parents and back. You know, why don't uh, you just go to sleep and we'll worry about it in the morning. <laughs> right, right, right. When there's something in your house like that, when there's mice in your attic or scurrying around on the kitchen floor, I mean, you don't just go to bed, do you? You got creatures in your house, you get them out of there. And so my wife made me, I mean, I happily volunteered to stay up <laughs> as long as it took, moving boxes to see if I could find Mama Mouse and just to make sure we didn't have any more issues. This series we're kind of pulling down the staircase of our hearts every week. We're going behind boxes. We're looking in corners, so to speak. And what we're finding is that there's stuff in there, little critters uh, running around. And the thing is, they're much more dangerous than mice running around the battles that go on inside of us with sin, the, the sinful thoughts, the sinful attitudes that we have, it can do a, a great deal of damage. It, it can ruin the relationships that we have with other people. It can ruin the relationships even, or the relationship we have with God. And so you don't just let mice run around your kitchen floor, not if you're married. The same way you don't just let these things run around in your heart. And so Solomon said this, and we've been looking at this theme verse every week almost, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, he wrote, above all else, your Christian life, guard your heart, be careful, watch what goes in and comes out of your heart. So this week as we continue to go behind the curtain, I've already shared this, um, but we're taking a look at jealousy or envy. Now the thing that can happen with jealousy sometimes when the topic comes up, 
that right away we tend to maybe revert to thinking that it's kind of a, a childhood problem or a teenager problem, and, and certainly um, there's a lot of that when you're a young person. I mean, whether it's the clothes or the brand especially that someone wears, or whether it's the, the video games that someone has, or maybe the, the people that certain people get to date, or the team that someone made. I mean, being jealous of people, being envious of what they have, can be a, a very much a challenge as a young person. But adults, um, we are lying to ourselves if we think that we ever outgrow the viciousness of jealousy. We're not being honest with ourselves if we think that, you know, at a certain age, it's just is no longer a problem at all. In fact, if you read through the Bible, there is example after example of adults who struggled with jealousy and it caused tons of problems. You may not recognize all of these names, but in the Old Testament, there was Cain and Abel. Cain was jealous of Abel's offering and through that jealousy, we had the first what in the world history? First murder. He brother, he brother, he killed his brother. A number of years later, we have Esau, or Jacob, being very jealous of how Esau was loved by Isaac, the dad. And what did Jacob do? Jacob ended up stealing things from Esau that weren't his, like his birthright and his inheritance. Later, you have Jacob's sons, and the apple didn't fall very far from the tree, Jacob began to favor Joseph, gave him a special coat, and how did his brothers feel about that? They were jealous. And they were civil people, so they didn't kill him. They just sold him to slavery and pretended like they killed him. King Saul, very jealous of a, a young shepherd boy named David, who killed a big old giant named Goliath. The rest of Saul's life, guess what he was doing? Tracking David through hills and the, the high country in southern Israel in hopes of getting rid of David? Jealousy? Even Jesus. One of, if not the biggest issue that the Jewish leaders had with Jesus, they were jealous of his popularity, of his message, of how people followed him. And if we were to pull back the curtain a little bit in our hearts, you notice how jealousy contributed to all these relational issues? If we were to pull back the, the curtain to our hearts, the reason why in some cases that we don't get along with certain people or don't like to be friends with certain people or even have issues with certain categories of people, not all the time, but many times, it is roots in jealousy. Roots in envy. Someone has accomplished what you wish you had accomplished by that time. Someone looks a certain way and you're envious of, of how they look. And, and some people have talents that you've always wished you had, but, but you don't. Someone has a possession or a thing that you wish you had and we become envious or jealous. And, it's, and we convince ourselves, you know what, no, it's, it's not me. They're just stuck up, or they're just, you know, they have issues. And maybe they do. But the reason we have angst sometimes is because of what's going on in here. They might have issues, but the reason why it's hard to be friends with them is probably not their issues. 
It's what's going on in our hearts. It's envy oftentimes and jealousy. I bet you don't probably realize how strongly the Bible speaks of jealousy. I want to show you just two real quick verses that really go to uh, speak about how dangerous jealousy is. James 4, he writes, Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and some evil practices. (laughs) Every evil practice. Here's what it's saying. You maybe never thought of this before. That jealousy towards other people and envy is the source of lots and lots of sinful actions, attitudes, and words. Every evil practice. Solomon doesn't beat around the bush years before. It's even more striking. A heart at peace, content might be another way to say that, gives life to the body. But envy rots the bones. Like a disease that slowly overtakes you and damages your physical body, so jealousy can slowly overtake your heart, your soul, and cause damage to relationships. Or as I mentioned earlier, even our faith relationship with God. Now, maybe you're still not convinced about how ugly and slimy and gross envy is. So I'd like to attack it from one other angle by asking you this question. What's the one thing that a person you're jealous of can do that will make you, the one who's jealous, feel better? I'll ask it again as you think. What's the one thing that a person you're jealous of can do that will make you, who are jealous, feel better? It's one of the fill in the blanks, too. Any guesses? What's in that blank? Screw up. Fail. It's exactly right. I mean, think about it. We would not admit it, and in fact, sometimes we will even say we're bad, and and a good portion of us will feel bad. But when there's jealousy, there's a little bit of us that maybe at times feels a little better when something bad happens. When someone's uh, work life, professional life, is just going gangbusters and everything's going great, and then they suffer a setback, if we're jealous of them, at times, what happens? We feel a little bit better. Or someone who we've always been envious about how they look, if they would happen to gain a few pounds or their hairline recedes a little bit further, all of a sudden, isn't it gross and embarrassing what lurks that we feel a little bit better? Or maybe young people, a girl who seems to always get all the boys, finally, for the first time, gets broken up with. Or the guy who makes all the teams um, messes up the big game. And in some ways, that makes us feel a little bit better. And you wonder, how does he know that I feel this way? I've not really told anyone this. Um, How does he know what lurks there? And if this is relating to anything you've ever felt, it's only because I know because it's in me too. That jealousy lurks there. And it's gross, and it's slimy, and it's yucky. But the good news is that James gives us direction for it. And before we get into God's word, I need to to point out something to you um, that's going to make all the difference, I think. And to do this, we need to do something maybe that we don't normally do. Um, 
I'm looking for three adult volunteers that might come up here, and um, preferably people who like coffee, because I have some caribou products to give away. I'm not, not kidding. I'm actually going to give caribou stuff away. So three volunteers who would like or likes coffee I have had no issues in the first two services getting volunteers. So, you know, don't be the first ones. All right, come on. Tim, thank you. And Randy, good. Come on down. I've got gifts. So let's see. Tim, if you could stand like right here on the carpet and if you could stand over here, Mel. And Randy, why don't you stand in the middle? All right, it'll be a Randy sandwich, right? <clears throat> All right. So I have gifts here for you. And let's see. Mel, I'll give you, I choose to give you that one. And uh, Randy chose to give you that one. All right. And I'll give you this one. And so at this point, Caribou Products. Mel, could you start and just kind of share with the congregation, with the group, uh, what, what you got? This is yours to take home. $10 gift card to Caribou. You know, um, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Randy? Yeah, Randy, could you open yours? $5 gift card to Caribou. Tim, since you're a smart aleck. <laughs> it's from Caribou. I'm not lying. I gave him a Caribou product. Now, here's the question that I want you to consider. If there is any um, jealousy here, and there could be. I mean, a person with things much bigger than a cup and a $10 card, could be jealous of uh, Mel because she got a $10 gift card and you just got a cup. And by the way, it is a nice cup. The next time I stop by your office, I want to see it in there. Um, <laughs> there could be some jealousy. And even Randy, you might have some jealousy towards Mel because she got a double the gift card that you did. But are you upset with Mel? Like, are you angry at Mel right now? <laughs> no. Last service we had a wise guy right here too. No. <laughs> You're not angry. Are you angry with Mel? If you were angry, and I'm not going to ask you. If you were angry, who would you be angry with? If you were exactly, exactly, and that that's ex and who would you be angry with? Okay, okay, thanks. Because why, Randy? Okay, and I'm the one who chose to give the gifts that I gave. And there's a reason why Tim got the cup, obviously. So, <laughs> but the angst is not towards Mel because she has what I want. The angst is towards me, who's the giver. All right, so you can take your gift out of the bag, and if you could leave me the bags, that would be great, and you can go back to your seats. Thank you. <laughs> That's your gift. <laughs> I think you might have already connected the dots, but this is, this is absolutely huge. And I didn't come up with this in the sense of how to illustrate it. I read it, it resonated with me, and I knew it would resonate with you. The thing is with envy, we might think it's her, we might think it's him, we might think it's that group. But really our angst, if we were to get to the bottom of jealousy and envy, is with God. That envy really equals God owes me. That envy really equals, like Randy said, the giver wasn't fair. That I deserve something from God that he hasn't given to me. Because why? Because God is the giver of everything. 
not just caribou uh, cards. God gives, is the giver of all things. Everything we have in our kitchen, everything we have in our closets, it's all from God. And so ultimately, our angst is with him. Well, now we're going to turn to James to unpack this uh, a little bit more. And James gives us, God does through him, uh, some good direction. Uh, I noticed, too, that it's snowing outside. So um, it's pretty crazy. God gives us all things, including snow. Um, James is not only a Christian or a follower of Jesus, but even more than that, um, in some ways, he was Jesus' half-brother. His biological mom was Mary, and his biological dad was Joseph the carpenter, Jesus' stepfather. And so James grew up um, and really didn't believe in Jesus or have faith right away. And before you get too hard on him, how easy would it be for you to believe your brother was the son of God? Um, Kind of a difficult conflict there. But after Jesus rose from the dead, for sure, uh, we see that James uh, became a, a strong believer and actually was in charge of the church in Jerusalem. And so he wrote a a letter that really gears itself toward Christian living. And in chapter 4, he writes some verses that really apply to our discussion and study today. Verse 1 of chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? And someone might answer, well, he causes quarrels, or she causes quarrels, or the guy who gave me a cup instead of caribou gift card is the one who started a a, a struggle or a quarrel within me. James begs to differ. He writes, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? He says, it's not him or her. There's something in your heart There's something you're battling against that are the cause of the struggles and conflicts that you have with people. Now, what could that be? Glad you asked. James says, verse 2, you want something, but don't get it. There's a desire that you have, and it doesn't get fulfilled, and it causes conflict with other people. The verse continues, you kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. I want you to think about this for a moment. Is it true? I want you to think back to the last disagreement you had with a person or people or a group or category of people. It could be your boss. It could be your spouse. It could be your parents. It could be your kids. It could be a huge thing. It could be a little thing. At the source of that conflict and that angst is what God says here true. Was part of it, or most of it, if you dig down because you wanted something and you didn't get it. That you had hopes for something and it didn't come true or through. Now don't get me wrong, sometimes the things that we want from someone They're actually godly. For instance, uh, parents, if you want your kids to be respectful or to stop lying, keep wanting that. That's good. But this is still true, right? When you want something that they, even godly things, holy things that they don't want to give, there's a conflict there, right? So even with good things, this is true. 
the reality is, is most of the things we want from other people aren't probably category, categorized as good or holy, but instead selfish, or at very least putting myself and my wants before the wants and desires of someone else. And so when we want something we don't have, we tend to gear in on that person as being the source of our angst. And James gives us something entirely different to do. Verse 3. Um, end of verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now that's a novel concept, isn't it? That instead of spending all of our time being ticked off at the person who has or got what I wanted, what if we would spend that same amount of time training our hearts to turn to God, using those multiple hours of jealousy and angst, use that time to concentrate on the giver. If I spend more time in prayer with God about the things I'm jealous about and less time concentrating on that person, what happens to my jealousy? What happens? Am I the only one here? <laughs> It goes away, or at the, thank you, Lisa, or at the very least, gets smaller. It decreases. Jealousy begins to get less. It's not that person. God is the giver of all things. And so we bring those things to him. So James kind of makes it sound like uh, I don't have because I don't ask, so if I ask, then I get, right? Well, let's see. Verse 3, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Well, that certainly uh, takes the fun out of it, doesn't it? <laughs> Man! Kind of almost feels like James is giving God an out here. I mean, bring all your desires to God, and then what's he saying? Well, and God may not give you what you're asking for. Let me ask what would have happened if your parents gave you everything you asked for growing up? Some of us don't want to know the answer to that, right? If every time I had asked for ice cream from my parents and they gave it to me, I'd probably, and I still love ice cream, um, I'd probably be way overweight and have lots of health problems. If every time I wanted to watch TV and play Atari 7600, Jungle Hunt and Joust and Pole Position, it was awesome. Um, if every time I wanted to do that, they would have given in, my brain would be mush, probably, and I'd be a walking zombie, potentially. At least that's what we tell our kids. If every time in my teenage years, when I didn't want to get up for church or go or whatever, they would have just said, all right, stay home. What would have happened? My relationship with God would not be as strong as it would be today, or maybe not existent at all. The point is that God says we can ask our parents for anything, but thanks be to God they don't give us everything. Thanks be to God that they have the experience, the understanding, the bigger picture that they give us, not perfectly because parents are fallible, but in general, they give us what they know is best for us. Now, if you think your parents love you a lot, and as you begin to take the focus off of the people you're jealous of and take that time and give it to God, if you think your parents love you a lot, 
There's no one on the face of the planet who's ever loved you more than your Heavenly Father. There's never been a friend, a spouse, a parent, even a pastor who has ever wanted what's best for you more than the one who knows what's best for you. And there's a lot of comfort there. In fact, when Paul was writing in Romans uh, about all the bad things that can happen in life, he ends that chapter with this word or verse. What then shall we say in response to all this stuff that I just wrote about, all this junk in our lives, challenges? Here's what I'll say. If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, it's, it's one thing to know the most powerful guy, the guy in charge, right? It's one thing to know his name and have recognize, recognize him. It's one thing to um, get his autograph and shake his hand and be in a picture with him. It's an entirely different thing if that guy is your dad. It's an entirely different thing if the guy with all the power and all the leverage and all the wisdom, if he happens to be the one who loves you more than anything else and has promised, even when we can't understand how, to use his time and power to give you what will end up being the very best for you. And if we're still not convinced, that's why Paul goes on in the very next verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? One of the blessings of this church is Pastor Steve and I have promised you that every single week you'll hear about Jesus and what he's done for you. If there could be a negative to that, and there's, there's not really, but if there could be, you know what happens? It becomes old hat. It doesn't hit our hearts maybe as much as it could because we've heard it before. I pray today is not that day because there's no better proof, no better example, no better testimony to God's love for you than the thing you already know. That God's Son would come, not for the world in this context, but for you. That Jesus would die for you. That Jesus was raised to life with you in mind. That he rules right now, even when things in our country don't go the way we want them to. He rules with his purposes and his love in mind. That he gives us joy that no one else can give and peace that no worldly institution can give. That he loves us. And his son is the proof of that. And when we are upset with God and feels as if he owes us or he's ripped us off, in those instances, every single time, we have taken for granted the amazing gift of forgiveness and salvation. God doesn't owe us anything. Not a bigger house, not more money, 
not more talents, not a, a smaller waistline and a longer hairline. In fact, it's just the opposite. God's not into owing. He gave it to us free of charge. But if he was, if there were an owe, a debt owed, it would be us to him. As he gives us his son and graciously along with him has promised to give us all that we need. The point is we have a God who forgives us for our jealousy and, and whom we can trust in the days or moments ahead of us. I bet you don't like um, mice running around in your attic or kitchen. And I bet if you lived in that house, you wouldn't have gone to sleep either. But much worse than mice, one of those things is this ugly, slimy thing called jealousy. And there's not a person in this room that doesn't battle against it. And I really pray today that through God's word in James that we've been given some things that can be encouragement to, to, to for a moment, take that angst and, and use that time of angst and instead come to the giver. Talk to him in prayer. He'll make your jealousy less. And then when you do, trust him. Because he may not give you what you want. I'm glad my parents didn't give me ice cream all the time, right? But he will give you what is best and the strength to endure that which you don't think you can. And with that in mind, let's close with prayer. Dear Lord, um, you know our hearts better than we do. And Lord, even in spite of that, you sent us your son. Because why? Lord, because you love us. Thank you that you love me enough to send us Jesus and that you have promised in that same love to take care of us. Help me to take my angst or anger to you and to know that you will give me and have given me exactly what I need. In Jesus' name we pray.